Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Well, I want to say that uh, we're excited about this new series starting next week called uh, You Asked For It. And so I want to thank everyone that's going ahead and filled out a card. We have a good stack, but we'd love to have more. So go ahead and fill that out. Matter of fact, if you've already filled out a card and you, got, you thought of another question, go ahead and give it to us. We'd love to have it. Uh, so we're going to be taking those, and we're going to be covering as many. We'll probably combine several of the questions to put together for some of the messages that we do, since there, there is a definite stream in some of the questions we've seen. And then, but anything we're not able to cover, in some cases, may not be uh, a Sunday morning sermon, may not be the actual uh, place that, that, that would be best handled. We're going to create a blog, and you'll be able to find it on our website and on, the, uh, on our app. So you can go to that blog when we get it all set up and after we've answered some of those things. We'll definitely give you resources. We'll definitely give you uh, places that you can go to help you answer some more of your questions. We had several questions regarding creation and the second coming of Christ. And man, I'm telling you what, I'm excited about those in particular. And uh, we'll be going after that uh, uh, obediently and uh, with an excited heart. So, But today we're finishing up our series called Better Call Paul. And again, laying the foundation for this, we're living in some very uh, interesting times. And we're looking at how the church and how Christianity is, is able to respond to the cultural struggles that we see, the demand uh, in many ways for Christianity to be uh, uh, diminished, if not completely dissolved. And so that is, of course, a threat to the kingdom of God. That's a threat to what we believe. And so we're, we're struggling. We're, the, you know, the ground under us is undulating. We're trying to figure out, okay, where do we fit into all this? And so my heart, my idea was, you know what? If we could have Paul come and Paul speak to us, what would Paul tell us? Well, we have what he's written to the churches. And so in most cases, what he said to them, he would tell us the same. And so we've gone through four uh, weeks of this. And if you've missed any of those, you can find them on the website. Again, you can connect to it with our app. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here today. And there were so many things that I could have spoken about in, you know, just five weeks, obviously. But so I want to finish with what I believe was one of Paul's most important messages to the church, especially in response to what we see going on in our culture right now. So, you know, I want to, again, finish the series with Paul's very powerful perspective on the spirit realm. As a Pharisee, Paul was taught that angels and demons did exist. Now, the Sadducees did not believe that there was a spirit realm or an eternal afterlife. And so that was interesting that Paul was of that school of thought. And so he was already open to it as a Pharisee a Jew. Uh, he then has a, an experience. Of course, we know that he was opposed to the church and opposed to Christ being the, the Messiah. But it wasn't until Paul's supernatural experience with Christ himself and his eventual conversion did he really see what was going on around him, influencing, <clears throat> excuse me, the events of history. So Paul was now made aware of the powerful supernatural realm swirling around him and around us. With the confluence of these angels and demons, the Holy Spirit, God, Satan himself, fighting for the hearts and the minds of mankind. 
Of course, we know that I'll, I'll inject this right now in case there's any sense of uncertainty that what Jesus did on the Christ was final. It was effective. What Jesus did in Colossians, it tells us, Paul already established that in Colossians, that Jesus made a public spectacle of the angels, I'm sorry, of the demons, uh, mocking them in a way with his sacrifice and then rising from the dead was the final knockout blow to say, you're done. Your days on this earth are done. And so Satan has been defeated, but we're going to talk a little bit more about this kingdom that has already come, as Jesus said, and yet the kingdom, that kingdom that is yet to come. So we know, you know, the Bible, all throughout the Bible talks about angels and demons. We know that they exist. And yet, I think what we're going to find is Paul, if he, he, he's going to talk to us about this stuff. He's going, to, he's going to bring us up to speed and why this is so important to our everyday lives. So angels, we know, biblically, they're carrying out the will of God. <clears throat> they are created beings that are aiding in the protection of God's people in carrying out the will of God. They physically come to the earth and they, they exist on the earth to bring forth the will of God in, how, in God's uh, 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 demand, uh, commands to bring forth the kingdom of God. And so yet, I think sometimes Christians are confused. They think that when we die, we become angels. Well, that's not biblical. It's not true. You don't become an angel when you die, all right? You, be, you stay who you are. You don't grow wings. You become who you are in, in, in your resurrected form. And then you will continue to exist as you are and and in the resurrected form, that in, in the personality and personhood you are. Angels are a separate created being, all right? And they are created. We know that historically in the Bible that they existed with God in heaven and have, have as far as we know, always have. And then when Satan, of course, uh, was caught in pride and great rebellion, a third of them were cast to the earth with him. And now their job is to do something different. So the angels, of course, carrying out the will of God. What are demons doing? Well, they carry out the torment of those who do not follow God and work to distract, confuse, and dilute the words of God so that God's people will not walk in the power and the authority that have been given. Notice that it's twofold of what their job is. Their first job is to torment those who don't know Christ. And even then, that works to God's advantage because as they are tormenting, human beings will cry out for a savior and God has provided one, okay? And of course, they're, they're angry, they're, they're seething because they know their time is limited. Satan knows that as well. And so you've got an angry set of bees, if you will, that have been unleashed on the earth and that's what they're doing. They are stinging, they are attacking man wherever they can find him without uh, any... Uh, you know, prejudice. <laughs> It'll attack any human being that breathes, breathes in and out. But for Christians, this is more unique. The demons, they cannot take away, they can't take away your salvation. They can't take what Jesus has already done. They can't, they can't take that away. They, that's already been done. It's already been, it's already been won for us on the cross. They've already been mocked that way, and they know that. Satan knows that. But what they can do, and what they're in full-time business doing, is deceiving distracting and, and diluting the words of God, keeping people distracted, and basically doing a, a master magi mag uh, magician's work to bait and switch believers. In other words, if they can get you to think they don't exist, and if they can get you to be distracted away from the reality of what's taking place, then they got gotcha. you. In other words, they can't, I mean, you're going to belong to God and you're going to be in heaven, but they're going to make your life miserable. That's what their job is. 
They're going to try to, again, bait and switch. They're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to bring lies to you. We know that Satan exists as an angel of light, the Bible says it describes. And so, in other words, he is going to, and with all of his, his demons, is going to always use those things which are beautiful, that are, that are uh, you know, the eye, our eye will be attracted to, that we will enjoy, that we will, <clears throat> in some ways, normalize as a culture and think, well, everybody's doing doing it, and it's also something that I can enjoy. You know, nothing, I mean, you can look at our culture and you can see that the enter- entertainment din- di- industry is one of those major ways that the enemy can really use to use that bait and switch. So he's going to use all, he's going to pull out the box, especially in the last days, especially in the times, the times that we live in. The enemy is going to use everything he can to try to distract. Now, Paul goes on to say in, the, in Thessalonians, and I wish we could study that part, but that's, that's going to be maybe, well, actually, I'll probably cover that during the, you asked for it. But the, the, the idea is that, that, that Satan, what he wants to do is to distract us away. And, 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 and Paul says that, that in the last days, there would be such a deception that even the elect might stumble. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing Christians, people who are Bible-believing Christians, are now beginning to doubt what they read. They're beginning to doubt what they believe. They're beginning to be distracted and pulled away and are actually becoming agents of the enemy, just like Peter did. So Peter, you know, and, and, and poor Peter, you know, Jesus looks at him and just says, get thee behind me, Satan. And here Peter is just out of compassion speaking to Jesus saying, oh, we're not going to let you be crucified. That's not going to happen. Jesus turns at him and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the works of God. Woo, poor Peter. His heart was compassionate. And that's another whole series, people. Talking about misplaced compassion. A lot of what takes place in our culture today comes in the name of compassion. But again, it's a bait and switch. It's a compassion to draw us into enslave us. And so, don't be fooled by that. Matter of fact, Paul goes on to say that he understands this supernatural warfare that's taking place in so much detail. He says, we are not unaware of his schemes. So I ask you a question this morning. Are you aware of his schemes? The problem is too many of us are not. Too many of us are not. We're getting scooped up and distracted and in many cases just led as sheep you know, that don't understand where we're going and why we're getting there. And we're being corralled up in a belief system that in the end become, causes us to not enjoy our life or, or, we, we, or, or we start walking in ways that, that Paul says, look, you're going to reap what you sow. God loves you, but he's given you a pathway. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So Paul's trying to, the first thing he's trying to communicate to us today is, look, wake up, oh sleeper, and see what's really going on. So theologically, we know that God is sovereign over the powers of this age. Jesus made that clear. He said, I beheld Satan falling to the earth, falling from the principality and the place of of dominance that he had up to that point. And we need to understand what took place in the cross of Christ and and the work of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, so much more powerful than we fully understand. But Jesus said, look, this is all coming to an end. But yet, we still see it taking place. And what I mean by coming to an end is the deception, the wholesale deception of mankind. Now we have a solution. Now we have light. Now we have revelation. But Christian, do you know it? 
And, you know, before I even get any further into this, as I was praying over this whole message, you know, Jamie and I were just talking about several things. We were talking about grace. We were talking about answering some of the questions as we began to go over some of the cards. You know, I got, I got to thinking, I was praying, okay, God, how do you want me to close this up before we get into the other stuff? And, and so God really began to lead me in, into talking about spiritual warfare, talking about this today. And, and I just said, Lord, what, you know, and, and as I opened my heart up, God usually speaks to me with lots of words. I mean, God was just, I'm having to write it down, and God is just sharing his heart with me. But this time, it was really interesting. God didn't say much. He said one word. He said, Believe. He said, David, the problem with the church today is they doubt. They just doubt. So grace can have no effect on your life because you don't believe in it. Healing cannot come into your life because you don't believe in it. You cannot effectively fight in the spirit because you don't believe it exists. And even if you may believe it exists, but you don't walk in its reality. And that's what we need to talk about here today. If Paul were here, he would sit us down and say, look, you got a lot to learn, folks, because what's going on around you is a lot more clear and true and evident and powerful than you really know, and more so now, folks, more right now. Like I said, I'll talk about that in a moment, but Satan has got his biggest magic act going on ever. He's pulling it all out of the hat. So we know that God's sovereign about and we know that Christ was victorious over Satan by the sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. However, we live in the middle of the battlefield where God's kingdom is advancing, and there are and will be plenty of casualties resulting from this epic battle. And that's where we are. We're in the middle of it. And it's, and it's like, but the kingdom of God is like a rolling manhole cover. It will not be stopped. It is moving forward advancing and rushing ever faster to the final conclusion with Christ coming again and wrapping this whole thing up. And it's amazing because we think about a great new society, we talk about cultural revolutions, we talk about these things, but what we have, to be honest, what we really have is a, uh, is a delusion. Because we talk about all these things, we may have the internet, we may have all these wonderful advances in science and technology, but still people are dying brutally. Still, there are places and major portions of our world that are still under major assault. Women being raped, people's arms being cut off, people being blinded, people being dragged and burned alive, people being buried alive, people struggling and dying every single day right now. You call for a great society, that's a bunch of bull. The truth is, there is a lot of damage and death and destruction. In many cases, folks, we live on an island truthfully. And our nation enjoying a tremendous amount of favor, a tremendous amount of mercy from God, and yet we take it for granted. Every single day we take it for granted. And we don't understand that our forefathers, in many cases, they brought this to us. We don't understand that the big man, I'm going somewhere totally different this morning, but I'm telling you, a couple of little boats coming over, they ran from the Europeans for a particular reason, that they were tired of the dominion. They were tired of being told that they had to, that their, their faith could, they had to worship a man instead of the Savior. And so they said, we need, it. We, got, we need our own country to do this so we can worship God. And they created this place we call the United States. And you're enjoying that right now. But my friend, if you continue to take that for granted and you don't wake up, oh sleeper, then you're getting ready to throw that away. If you keep doing what you're doing, you keep forgetting what Jesus gave to you, I'm telling you, you doubt me? 
When you got Chinese that come over here, when you get Russians that come over, when you have Sudanese that come over and tell us and say, you don't know what you have and you are throwing it away with every election. You're throwing it away with every single thing that you do. My friend, it's time to wake up. Do you enjoy your freedom? If you do, then it's a well-fought-for freedom. And freedom is not understood outside the gospel. You go to any other philosophy. You go to any other religion. You go to any other place. Man, Islam? You're kidding me, right? Jesus Christ is the emblem. He is the Savior. He is the one and the only one who brings peace to this earth. He is the only one who can heal the heart of mankind. He is the only one who had the message, and he showed that message by proving it. When everybody else kills to prove it, Jesus died to prove it. That little message was brought to you by <laughs> Pastor David's uh, little... Anyway. Actually, to be honest with you, I believe that was the heart of God. I believe... The Holy Spirit is here. And there was a reason for me to do that. I hope you heard it. I hope you took it to your heart. Because I ain't letting up for you uh, for the next 25 minutes. So, but if we were to ask Paul, how do we live in these times? He would be clear. Do you think that they didn't experience this kind of persecution? More than we would ever imagine. Christians were running for their lives. This is what he would tell us. Live like Christ in holiness. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, he says, there shouldn't even be a hint of immorality in God's holy people. Wow, that's, a, that, that's a, a far departure from some of the things we see being embraced in our society. Not even a hint. And that's where we're going. That's the goal, Christian, is to become more and more like Jesus. The, 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 the word Christian came from the fact that they were looking at the Christians or the followers of Jesus in Antioch, and they called them Christians for the first time. Why? Because they were acting like Jesus. They didn't smell like Jesus. They didn't dress like Jesus. They acted like Jesus. And what was they doing? They were laying hands on the sick and seeing they recover. They were walking in peace. They were not violent. They were loving and caring and took care of their own, and they reached out for the poor. They did what Jesus did. And they said, man, they sure act a lot like Jesus. And so they called them Christians. And that's what it means. So Paul would tell us that, live like Christ. Secondly, he would tell us, live as children of light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, he says, we expose darkness by our very... He says, you know, don't participate in darkness, but expose it. And so we've been called children of light. And that's really cool, because light is a very powerful thing, an incredibly powerful thing. When it comes to science, when it comes to space, light is so incredibly impacting, we can learn so much about light, which is why God used it. The speed, the effect... The refraction, everything. Everything that takes place with light is such a picture of, of who God is because God dwells in light. And we've been called to be that light. And what does light do? A couple of things. It dispels darkness. The moment light shows up, pff, the cockroaches scatter. Isn't that right? When light shows up, the enemy is exposed in his attack. And the, the, the deeds of darkness place, take place at dark, in the darkness, both figuratively and uh, Literally. I mean, there are certain parts of our country you do not want to go at night. You will be shot, stabbed, or maimed, at least chased. 
and darkness. And in some cases, when it's really bad, in broad daylight. But that's when the enemy really does his work, is in the darkness. Now, if we speak of this figuratively, it works the same way in the spirit realm. That the, it's in the darkness. It is in the confusion. It is in the, it is in the, uh, uh, the delusion that the enemy does most of his work. And the darkness of our mind, it's through the depression. It is through the fear. It is through the uh, sense of rejection. It is through all those negative emotions that the enemy strikes and moves in to destroy us. And yet when we walk in the light as he is in the light, Paul said, uh, well, this is John who said, well, look, if you want to walk in the light as he is in the light, just confess your sin and walk in it. We don't have to be separated from the light, not even a millisecond. The only thing that brings darkness into our light is when we do give in to sin, but even then we can confess it. He's faithful and just. The blood will wash us, and now our mind can be clear, and now we can be discerning again to know what is darkness and what is light, and then we become the light. When I first gave my life to Christ at the age of 17, one of the things that happened in my life was now walking in the light and then being the light. So I'm walking up and down the hallways. You know, I played football. I was, I was involved with a lot of things. I, was in, I had a lot of buddies. And, and when my life dramatically changed, they noticed it. And they were, you know, they're like, hey, what's up with you, man? What are you doing? Why aren't you coming to parties with him anymore? Why aren't you doing this? And I said, well, instead of hiding and, and retracting, I said, no, I'm going to be the light. And so I started sharing with them and just saying, well, this is what happened. I was walking in darkness. Why now I see? Some of the guys fled like, man, you're nuts. And then other guys said, Later, come to me like the Nicodemuses and saying, hey, David, tell me more about this. What's going on with you? And led several of my friends to Christ as a result of that. One that I'm connected to on Facebook just recently. He had a huge afro, a red afro. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Anyway, living as children of light, dispelling darkness, but being the light. And that, see, a lot of times if we let Satan think that we're always in a losing position, or if we just live in this, 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 this vacuum where we don't think or believe or know or are aware of the spiritual reality around us, then we just become pawns. The saddest thing that I, I hate seeing is when, God, when Satan starts using Christians to do his work. That's really sad. He often uses our mouths, he might even use our fingers on keyboards. He might use many different things to cause us to be agents. And Satan is just going, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters that is all about this. He's very creatively, he basically, what he did is he had demons talking with one another how they could creatively deceive mankind. It's quite a read because it really opens up. C.S. Lewis, as only he could do it. To help us see, oh my gosh, this is what's going behind the water lines, the, 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 or under the water line, what is behind the scenes, what, what strategic things are taking place to deceive us. Man, you don't think, it's strategic, setups, trips, you know, uh, trip ups, all kinds of things to line us up to where not, not only could, could Satan, you know, destroy our testimony, but he can so distract us and keep us out of the fight sometimes for years. But if we're aware of what's going on, then we will live as children of the light. And that's where we need to be. It's not just casualties of the fight. No, we need to be on the front lines. And far too many Christians are just not because they don't believe. Well, maybe they're ignorant to the fact, or they don't believe, or they're just lazy. And that's what we need to face up to. 
we got to be very careful to understand what's really going on, and that is to advance his kingdom through spiritual warfare. Folks, you know, we've been called to this. Now, we believe in a providential sovereign God, and we know we got the book of Revelation. We know the end of the story, and we could just sit back and just say, well, man, this thing's on autopilot. I'll just let it happen. But what God has ordained in not only the end, but he's also ordained you and I being a part of it. It's called the theology of second causes. It, he's, he, he's, not only he has ordained so many things, but he's ordained you and I for good works to be involved in this fight. And so we need to rise up and rouse ourselves to understand what's going on so that we don't just become just a lump on a log not, and just letting all these things take place. So you may say, well, what's really at stake here, your kids? Your sanity, your health, your effectiveness, your fruitfulness, so many things. So I take this very seriously with my own children. So each one of them, and now I'm down to Andrew here, and of course I'm still working with Ben, but you know Ben is coming under his own. He's teaching me now. But I grab little Andrew. He's, he's kind of the only one I got left me these days. A little eight-year-old, and I just, I'm reading the Bible to him, and I'm speaking to him about spiritual warfare, and we're reading through. If you're going through the Bible in a year right now, you're going through Jehoshaphat and Elijah and all that. Woo! That's good stuff, man. And Andrew just loves every bit of it. Man, I'm reading to him about these battles, and he's just, his little eyebrows go down. And he looks at him, he says, Dad, what's going to happen to Jezebel? I said, you, I said, I'll stop reading. I'll say, we cover it tomorrow. And he's like, oh! But I love him. Keep him wanting more. And so, but what I do is when he sees it, he sees the reality of, then what do I do? I take him through it. And I lay my hands on that little boy. And I say, son, this is serious stuff. It's happening around us all the time. Yes, sir. So I'm going to pray for you right now because daddy can. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray your protection over this boy. I pray over your protection over his mind. That he'll be able to discern and know the difference between that which is good and that which is evil. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'd surround his life with favor as a shield. That you would show yourself powerful in every step he takes. That every decision he makes for you, Lord, you will show up a thousand strong to make that go forward. And so I'm teaching him how to be a spiritual warrior. And show him the reality of it. So parents... You need to show your kids that. You need to teach them how to be warriors. They don't, they, you know, I mean, we could either accidentally learn it or you're going to be, you're going to show up to the fight with not really knowing how to use your weapons, kind of fumbling around. Uh-uh, not on my watch. And guess what? Not on your watch either because I'm teaching you here today. Now, I'm not going to sit you down and each, you know, lay my hands on each of your heads, you know, and do all that, but I am pouring into you today to tell you, wake up, folks. So much is at stake here. This is not a religious thing. This is not a traditional thing. I'm telling you life and death. I'm, talk, I'm talking to you about your fruitfulness. I'm talking to you about your marriage. I'm talking to you about, your, in many ways, the effectiveness and the, how your purpose will come forward. You don't think the enemy has targeted you? Oh, man, he knows your name. He knows what you're up to. We think the Internet is the, the all-invasive thing. Satan had that long ago. Of course, the internet is just making, it that, making his job a lot easier. And then Paul would go on to tell us we are more than conquerors in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. We would have covered that. And, you know, you think of that and just say, well, I just want to be a conqueror. <laughs> you know, I just want to be on top of it. But Paul's saying you're more than a conqueror. So what does that mean? Ephesians 5, 16 through 20. Be very careful 
This is how you become a more than conqueror warrior. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every, most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Boom. The days are evil, and they certainly are. Are you going to be a casualty? Are you going to be part of the fight? Because I remember back in football, man, if you wanted to get hurt, you didn't stay on your assignment. If you did what you were trained to do, then you did more of the hurting. But if you got, you, lost, you got lost, as my coach used to say, is it lost as an Easter egg running around? If you got lost, you're going to get hurt. Because somebody else who knows what their mission is is going to take you out. And that's the way it works in the kingdom of God, too. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, that's what we have right now. We have a lot of darkness, and it's creeping in in the form of a shadow, and it's a deception. Can anybody say Disney? Whoops, I didn't mean to say that. But anyway, there is this stuff that's going in. It's being, and it's, it's that angel of life is dishing it up. I mean, I'm sorry, the angel of light, Satan himself is dishing this stuff up. It tastes good. It looks good. It smells good. It makes me feel good, but it carries with it a lie, a deceptive lie. And it comes in, it's working. And man, I tell you what, and, and, and again, this is a whole nother series, but man, Satan is on double time work right now. Just gathering up people and they're just slopping it all, eating it as fast as they can eat it, not realizing it's laced with poison. Laced. Say, man, I didn't come here to get, be bashing on some of that stuff. I'm sorry. I don't like doing that. I hate bashing culture. I hate bashing things like that. I don't. But Paul just told us, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says the times are evil. He goes on, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You ever wonder why we sing when we start the worship service? That's why, because that's why they did it in the beginning. Okay, we don't just do it so that we can all hear our beautiful voices. We don't just do it so we can have a choir and a band. We do it because we are reciting the words of God. And music and word. Now, they didn't know that then, but we know it now. When you take a melody and you join it with words and you begin to put those together, a very, very powerful thing takes place, my friend. Those words get placed into your psyche in a way that just regular words won't. Here's my proof. For those of you who have been around for a while, maybe you heard some songs 30 years ago. You still don't know the words too, and you still can sing it when you're in the elevator. You're on it, man. You know those BG tunes. How deep is your love? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I got them all stirred up, man. They're like, hey, let's go. Whatever. But what I'm saying is that's what it does. We know this scientifically that music and, and, and words, when they come together, they can by, bypass certain truth systems. In other words, because it's music, those words are joined together and we bring it in and we actually take it into our deeper memory so that now it's stored. That's the way we've been designed. That's, that's a God thing because the greatest musician of all of the universe was Satan himself. You say, what? Yeah, it was when he was Lucifer. Do you know what his job was? Some of you know. He was the anointed cherub that when he opened up his wings, music would usher forth. It would be worship to God. He was the first musician. Isn't it amazing that music even to this day can be used? But 
it can still be used for the glory of God too. So that Paul is saying here, look, you want to get, do you want to remember some of these words, some of these truths? You want to get the word of God inside you? Put it to a tune. Because then not only are you going to memorize it and remember it, but it's also going to be imprinted into your psyche in ways that just regular memory can't. You don't believe me? Do the study. They have whole, you can get a doctorate in this. Music can heal your body. Music, they're finding, actually can uh, do amazing things. You know, Dr. Choi was just here about six, uh, about a year ago. You remember when Dr. Troy was talking about that? He actually wrote me last night. He was on his way to D.C. And he said, Pastor David, I'm praying for you. He prays every time he drives by because he, he's down, down there at Ar- uh, Womack, uh, Army, Army Hospital, goes to D.C. He's, uh, he's on a board up there, and they're doing amazing things with music. Finding some of these guys with PTSD, they're finding that if they expose them to certain targeted uh, rhythmic things, it's actually healing their brains. This is cutting-edge stuff. It's amazing. So, he says, speak to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music with the, from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father through everything. Now, I don't want to over-attention on the whole music thing, but that's part of it. So, isn't it interesting when it comes to talking about spiritual warfare, Paul mentions that, that how powerful music is. And again, he would not have known the science behind it. So, folks... This is what being a mighty warrior and a spiritual warrior is, starting in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 of Ephesians. He says, finally, if you're going to fight this fight, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How do you do that? you got to believe. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's got schemes? Yep. Oh, man, does he have them at every level. He's got schemes. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that the, that the Antichrist will come during a time of one global government. Folks, in politics, this earth is hell-bent in making that happen right now, and a lot of our politicians are all in it. Do we stop it, or do you just say, well, it's inevitable? That's for next week. So he goes on, and he says about the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle, and this is cool, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people, but against rulers and against authorities and against power. Wow, if we're not, wait, if we're not fighting against flesh and blood, then what are we fighting against? What is a ruler? What is an authority? What are against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms? Oh boy, whoa. There is a complete demonic system that works itself from Satan on down, chains of command. Read in the book of Daniel where where Daniel experiences this through intercession and prayer. Now, remember, before you go any longer, you say, man, this guy's really talking. I did not come here to hear this kind of weird talk. Folks, I'm telling you Bible. And remember what the word God had for to me and for you today. Believe. You can continue to be a pawn in the hand, and suffer its destruction. You know, Paul goes on. I I mean, I keep dipping in the next week. But Paul goes on and says that in the last days, there'll be a great deception foisted upon mankind. And he said, and it'll be so bad that even the elect would be deceived. That's what he said. And I'm telling you right now, I think we're in the middle of it, or at least the beginnings. So he says, what do we do? 
well, this is the reality. This is what's going on. The spirituals of evil, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything to stand, stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Whoa, there are gonna be some flaming arrows coming at me? Christian, if you don't know that already. I mean, I've been walking with the Lord 38 years, and man, I have many places where the flaming arrows have come, the lies, the, the attacks, the things that have come against me. And, and in most cases, almost 99.9% of the time, they're all just the lies from the enemy. And they dissipate the moment I begin to just resist it. Sometimes it takes some time for the enemy to be fully exposed as to what he's up to. But one of the things we learn, even in warfare, which is amazing, is that when a sniper is hidden in the grass, and Owen, you can tell me this is true, having been a Marine, that when, you're, when, the, when, the, when the sniper's in the grass, you, military folks here, when the sniper's in the grass, the, the most fear he brings is because of what? You don't know where he is. But the moment he fires, ah, gotcha, gotcha. And Satan always overplays his hand. The moment he exposes himself against your family, against you with a lie, an attack, a fear, a depressive thought, oh man, he's exposed himself. And now you bring the heavy artillery to bear. And you just start praying in the name of Jesus. You bind those spirits. You, you, you don't believe those lies. And you ask the Holy Spirit, show me what's going on here. If I can be aware of his schemes, then show me the schemes. So I can prepare myself, so I can, I can prepare my family. I can do, I can set in order. I can, I can confess whatever sin it is. I can, I can do what's necessary. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. He's ready to bring us into all of it. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We don't walk in darkness. So he goes on to take your stand of those flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to keep imagining that Paul is up here on the stage and he's speaking to us today. And he's going through Ephesians chapter six and he's telling us, Christians, put on the armor of God because the days are evil. You do not have to become a casualty. You can move forward, ready to fight with the armor fully on, you know, and doing amazing things for the kingdom. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, men, that we're constantly talking to God. We can use music to do it. We can, we can go on prayer walks. We can start our morning with a cup of coffee and just asking God to cover our day. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Because see, there are days when you're fighting in the fray and then, then there are those days that you're just like, man, feels good to not be in a fight right now. You're sitting at the beach. You just finished up school, you, you're on vacation, or, or, or you just life is going really good and everything's lining up. You're in that respite right now, and that's wonderful, but you're not supposed to take that time. You gotta look to your left or to your right and find out, wait a minute, my brother, my sister, they're in the fray right now. I need to come to their, just like in battle. When the line goes forward, the moment one gets into trouble and it begins to recede, well, then you bring, you bring half of that over there and you push it back. And we need to come to the defense of those in our church who are struggling. That's the way it works. And he goes on to say, hey, and pray for me. He says, as a 
as a pastor, as, a, uh, as an apostle, he says, look, pray for me so that I can fearlessly proclaim the gospel wherever I go. And so real quickly, what do these things mean? Well, as I go through it here real quickly, we know that he says uh, right here, starts off with the belt of truth. Well, folks, we've got to get the word of God inside us because right here, it, when, when we don't have truth in us, when you think of your body and a wound there, a wound in the middle of your midsection may not kill you, but it sure can make life agonizing. And when we believe a lie, whether it be because of relationships, whether it be in our money, whether it be anything else, if we believe a lie, that's, that's a shot that gets into us and it affects our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our well-being. So he's saying, put the truth of the word of God right there. So when the enemy shoots at you, it's just like, nope, can't get through the truth. We need to be aware. And isn't it interesting that the enemy has got a full-time assault against the Bible, against the word, stripping it out of schools, stripping it out of public places, stripping it. It's even almost, we're, we're that close for it being against the law to even ever speak it in public places. You can get thrown off of universities by quoting scriptures now. It's where we are. Hold on fast because the battle belongs to the Lord and the victory belongs to God. We may lose a small battle today, but the, the whole war belongs to God. And it starts with you and I holding on to the truth and not letting go of it. Then he goes on and says that, uh, he talks about this, the belt of truth, and then he says uh, to share your story, the readiness. Let me just go back to Ephesians 6. Stand firm with the belt of truth, and then with a breastplate of righteousness. Wow, that's a big one. And that's covering right here, vital organs up here. That's, and what is righteousness? That's just what, it, what Paul has been teaching about grace. That's what he would teach to us. He said, look, the righteousness of God is yours in Christ Jesus. You have been made the righteousness of God because of faith. And that is absolutely key. The moment we suffer with shame, the moment we, we, we start to struggle with guilt and shame, we're out of the fight. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I'm not going to read my Bible. God doesn't like me anymore. And so now you're just hanging on the side. And yet, you know, we got to pull one another out and just say, hey, look, what are you doing? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you believe? Yeah, I believe. But I don't think God can me. I can't forgive myself, which is one of the most unbiblical things I've ever heard. But the, the, the idea is that we're not believing what God said, that when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it and wash it. Put me right back in there. Put me right back on the front line. So righteousness, absolutely key. It's a breastplate. Got to believe it, got to walk in it, got to know it. And then he goes, and the feet fitted with the, the, these, he calls them the, uh, well, like sandals or boots or something like that. But you think of it, it's the readiness that he's talking about, being ready, and that makes sense. You've got your shoes on, you can run, you can move. Too many of us do not know. Paul said, remember earlier, make the most of every opportunity. Not enough of us are aware of the spiritual realm. Not enough of us are aware of what is at stake around us. We're not, we're not praying over our children. We're not praying over our friends. We're not, we're not praying over our, our students and friends and, and, and neighbors. We're not doing that enough. We're not seeing the power of our prayer. And then when the opportunity comes for us to be able to reap the harvest of souls, we don't even know what our message is. We don't know what to tell them. But you know what? When we become aware and we've got the shoes of the gospel on, man, we're ready. 
I'm ready to move. Somebody comes into my life and they say, man, I, my marriage just ended or I'm, we're just going through a struggle right now. I'm just like, okay, divine appointment. Divine appointment. I'm now going, I'm really going to share my story with them. I'm going to tell them, hey, can I pray for you? Prayer? Yeah. God can do amazing things. And you're going to share your story. And the Holy Spirit will often lead us through that. But it all begins with a readiness. Ready to, sh- to preach the gospel, to share your story. Do you know your story? Do you have a story? You need to find out what your story is, and you need to be ready to share it at a drop of a hat. He says, in addition to all this, the shield of faith. And the shield of faith, of course, is believing. And, you know, if you struggle in your faith, then you're going to spend the rest of your time just taking shots. But if you've got the shield of faith and you're holding that up, all those lies that come from the, the evil one, they're extinguished immediately. And that, my friends, is living kingdom life. I have take, it's taken me a lot of years in my life to know to ignore lies. But I, I am actively doing that. When I hear a lie or something that makes me unquiet or disquieted in my spirit, and I know it's starting to ruin my day, I just say, what is true? I don't know anything about that. That is not right. That is a lie. That is the enemy. No. Quenched gone, out of my life, not going to believe it. So many of us lose energy, sleep, resources on just lies. And I've experienced it too. But God, once we start living and quenching those, we can get back to the business. And that's just exactly what the enemy wants us to do. If we're spending all of our time running from arrows, we're not getting anything done. We need to be moving forward, quenching every lie and every, every uh, arrow. I mean, we can see this in our minds. Then he says the helmet of salvation. Now, folks, that helmet of salvation, I got to tell you, is so incredibly important. You know, the head, if you get hit in the head, you're done, right? The head shot, you just drop like a loaf of bread. And if we don't have the confidence of who we are, what has been done for us, and the enemy He doesn't often come after Christians with that particular one. But there are certain circumstances. As a counselor, I'll tell you right now. There are certain circumstances that we can create in our lives that will produce that kind of a thing. And that's absolutely it. Absolutely it. We begin to doubt God's love for us or that that whatever, that that, that I've, I've done too much or I've gone too far for God to love me anymore. Well, then now you've taken the helmet off and the enemy can go for the kill shot. Just literally, and I, I don't know how far that analogy goes, other than the fact that it'll just sit you on the bench. It'll just take you completely out of the game. So Paul says, let's be proactive. That's what he would tell us. He'd say, look, put the armor on before the battle. Too many times we get in the middle and go battle, and we're like, oh, shoot. Pastor said there was something that I could put on for all of this. Too late. Every day, man. Every day, get the word of God on. Remind yourself that you are, have been made the righteousness of Christ in Jesus. Know your story and be ready to share it. Hold up the faith that you have in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. Holding that out. Well, I didn't talk about the sword of the spirit, but that's very easy. It's the word of God. Speaking it, declaring it, praying it. Believing it. That's what we need to be doing, folks. And then that helmet of salvation, always on. Always on. Never take that one off. And then we'll be ready. We'll be ready for these evil times, as Paul calls them. If you're here today, he'd say, look, 
you guys are in the fight more than I was ever in the fight. He says, back then we believed in the imminence of Christ and he was going to come any time. No one would have ever guessed it would have been 2,000 years later. And yet, so many things have come into place. Israel lining up. So many things. All lined up, folks. We're getting ready to get on that slide and it's going to come fast. Are you ready? Are you ready? Starts here. Starts here. Walking it out every day. And the beauty is, guess what, man? He's got you. He's got your back. I love serving God because I know that Satan is, I mean, yeah, Satan has already been whipped. Jesus already defeated him on the cross. Our victory is assured. It's, it's, it's all but wrapped up. Satan's only weapon now is to try to get you to think that he's not. Let's stand up this morning. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 830, 10, or 1130 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.